Burgers are best fresh from the grill. Well, more specifically, burgers with Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. It's so rich and creamy that it instantly makes any burger irresistible. And what backyard barbecue is complete without some potato salad? Not just any potato salad, of course. Potato salad highlights the rich, creamy goodness of Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. So if you want to take your barbecue season to the next level, stock up on Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. For great recipe ideas, visit hellmans.com. When you pull up to game night in the all-new Camry, but it's actually bingo night. Mini golf, anyone? It's a Camry vibe. The all-new, all-hybrid Camry, Toyota. Let's go places. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. That's hooey and applesauce. Three words for that. Ooh, blah, and blah. When I'm wrong, I say I'm wrong. Oh, it's gangbusters. Damn a shake in In FL and Dave. Damn a shake. Hello, football fans. It's your old pal Dave. Dave Damashek. What's going down? I hope all's well wherever you are. Welcome to episode number 68 of the Dave Damashek football program. Available as always on iTunes. And as always, seated to my immediate right here in Studio 66, ready to yap about the world of not just football, but the world of sports. Nay, the world. Let's just put a period right after that, because that's what we address. What the, the goings on of the big blue marble. It's my old pal from NFL.com. Adam Rank, what's the poop, fellow? Hey, boss. Thanks for having us. Sure Appreciate thing, being sure. here. How are you? I, I saw you were down in uh, San Diego over the weekend to take in a game of your Halos playing the Padres. That's, That's a decent true. regional rivalry. I, that, a that decent one, that one, one I can sign off on. Okay. Yeah, there's really not a lot of animosity, and you would find that no, most people I that imagine. most people that root for the Angels, I, I wouldn't say that they're fans of the Padres, but they prefer that the Padres would win over, say, the Dodgers. Yeah, that's what's weird about it. You want bloodlust, of course. Yeah, you don't there's want... none of that. Yeah, I think it goes a little bit one way because the people of San Diego, I don't think, appreciate that everybody from Orange County was filling into Petco Park over the weekend. And myself, and I tweeted this out, at Adam Rank, and of course you can reach David, at Damashek. I tweeted this out is that I wasn't going to wear any sort of Angels gear at all. And I was just going to go plain T-shirt, no hat or anything. And I finally, I did finally put on a ball cap, but... I just felt weird because I hate when the fans of the Red Sox and the Yankees come to Angel Stadium and they act, you know, like louses and every and they're annoying. And I just w- didn't want to be that obnoxious visiting. I hear road you, but fan. first of all, well, you know, I, I, on one hand, I'd like to say, you know, the the uh, stereotypical uh, laid back SoCal guy probably wouldn't care much. But then again, where did the the, where does the, the trouble happen? The ne'er-do-wells outside uh, Chavez Ravine. That's right. A, so we know that beatings do take place, and so who knows how that would go. But, yeah, you would think there'd be maybe some more natural rivalry from OC to San Diego. If you're not familiar with the area, they're closer to one another than L.A. is to Anaheim, right? It's probably more um, similar. Like San Diego yeah, has a similar place. vibe that Orange County has where it's more laid back. People, and I know – Orange County and San Diego both have transplants, but I think you would find a larger portion of people who are actually from the area actually rooting for a team than sometimes you do in Los Angeles, which seems to be a town full of transplants like yourself. Well, L.A., the the buzz around this town today, we're recording on Tuesday, of course, and us being in San Diego, we're going to be talking to Kevin Acey from the San Diego uh, Union Tribune and just mm-hmm. a little bit about we talked about it last week on the podcast about the change the big change in the AFC West manning in 
Tebow out, and so we'll address that. The Chiefs look like a, a really uh, interesting team, at least. The Raiders always a team to buzz about. The one that nobody's talking about, the San Diego Chargers. So we'll yap about that, Phil Rivers, whether he gets back on track, even though he lost uh, Vince Jackson in the offseason. Well, Kibitz with him. Also, he has some strong opinions about uh, one of my favorite subjects is the uniform monitor. Yours, too uniforms so we'll mm-hmm. yap about all of that and uh, also we're going to talk to qb guru george whitfield he's worked with some of the best did he work with phil rivers black tie or not black tie behind the glass there as of right now we'll have to say yes i'll confirm in a second <laughs> he's he's as on of now he's on o omg is facts it, is it breaking news is it something that uh george whitfield's people are trying to keep under wraps and you have to do some uh some journalism i gotta digging. check with my sources exactly uh, I gotta, you know well, he is. has worked with cam newton andrew luck uh so on and so forth he's working with donna McNabb right now the formerly morbidly obese now just a heavy set fellow <laughs> trying to get back into the league but all right black tie we brought you up what everybody's buzzing about in los angeles right now the nba playoffs i assume that's going to come up in uh in the in, in the fan favorite, the new segment uh, that's uh, over the last fortnight sweeping across the land. It's the blacklist. The blacklist. Black tie reads current events. The blacklist. Damn a shaking wreck if they're coming. The blacklist. The blacklist. Get into a black tie. What's number one on your list, guys? So last night I go on Twitter and I see this little tweet. From somebody who asked a girl who literally asked, "Did Michael Jordan play for the Lakers?" And this is after the Lakers get ousted last night, Ugh. and Twitter goes off on this girl. Mm-hmm. Absolutely go off. It's a trending topic for a good three, four hours, and you know all kinds of responses like, "Hey, Google is your friend." Who is this? Is she a reporter? No, just a no, just woman? a random woman. All right. Well, listen. That's why do not you take that-, that? Why do you take that to Twitter instead of you? You like you said. You have Google right there. Exactly. Google is your friend. The time it takes you to do that. Well, I I don't I mean, that's not nearly as egregious as a local reporter. Here's the difference between L.A. and uh, and a lot of actual sports towns. I mean, L.A. has the Dodgers and and Lakers fans are definitely as intense, you would think, as they are in most sports towns. But I was listening to local sports radio. They were giving away Lakers tickets outside of Staples Center, uh, you know, an hour before the game. Uh, a few nights back, and so they had a little trivia question, trivia contest to give away these tickets. The question was from the mighty 71-72 L.A. Lakers team, they, a bunch of Hall of Famers on that team. You know, they won, what, they win, 35 straight? Something 33. Like, 33 straight. They win that. They said, name one of the Hall of Famers from that team. The guesses: Magic mm-hmm. Johnson, okay. A.C. Green. No one in All the right. room got it right. No one won the tickets on that question. That is a... That is a distinct difference between other sports towns. Really? If you said, if you, you said, wait, if you on. said, hey, the uh, New York Yankees, a '77, they won the the World Series that year after our, uh, they got off to Schneid after a long time. And you don't think one person would say, "Well, is Derek Jeter on that team?" I, I, all was I know Don is Mad- what I heard. No, Don Mattingly. All I know is what I heard. Don right. Mattingly. Now that's hold on. Go ahead. Go ahead. That is the dumbest. It, of course, there's ignorant fans in every in every fan base, and this assertion. I that didn't hear anyone step up and, and correct them. And it, the, the assertion that you don't know happens, who's on those teams, but the assertion that this only would happen in Southern California is ridiculous. It's wow. a generational thing. It's not an LA sports thing. That's it's, embarrassing. That it's embarrassing. Yes, trying to defend it, it would. No. Now speaking of embarrassing, those LA Lakers and the delusional, the overly optimistic LA Laker fans. I told everybody when they when they uh, traded to get Ramon Sessions, everybody thought, oh, that's the panacea. Now this team is uh, destined for the NBA Finals with this guy. Listen, that guy, clearly at the time you knew it, and it, uh, it, it uh, proved to be true, is not capable of keeping up with uh, the top dozen, top half point guards in the game. But that's not the issue. Everybody's talking about who needs to go Pau Gasol, Andrew Bynum, who's going to go from that team. Um that you is know. if David Stern will let him make a trade. Well, all right, fair enough. But Pal Gasol, the thing, you know, if I were a glass half full guy, I would I would point to the fact that Pal Gasol, when he has that desire, when he has that fire in his belly, he's he's dominant. You know, people love to point out like, oh, Pal Gasol brought it tonight. He really Kobe or whatever happened. He really now he you know that's how he has to play. But I'm not a glass half full person, and uh, in fact, I, I drowned that glass half full person half full in my half empty glass, 
and uh, and instead I'm half empty. Why is Pal Gasol not always playing that way? Why does he not do that? I've I've more than tired of his. Uh, you know, as I made fun of last week, that ridiculous that 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 hands together the crying. Why didn't you call a file on that player? He's Italian now. That's what he is. But. I think that's is that a, is this, that a, is this that a, horrible isn't team. That the, Thank goodness that they're off the map now, and we can enjoy a great uh, Western Conference showdown between the Spurs and the uh, and the uh, Twisters from Oklahoma City. Okay, that's fair enough. The problem, though, is an NBA thing. I feel the NBA has too many nights like that where most of their superstars behave like the Ravens do the week after they beat the Steelers. Is that they're just mailing it in. And it even happens in the playoffs where these teams and these players are mailing in playoff games. And it frustrates me as a fan to watch this because if you grew up in the 80s, you, the Celtics, the Lakers, the 76ers, the Bucks, the Suns, the teams that were up there, the, the Houston Rockets, those teams weren't mailing in games. And every one of those games was hotly contested. And now you watch it and you can just see teams like once the Lakers got into the fourth quarter, you knew the game was over because they they were done trying. Once once they lost their lead, it was over. Like, ah, we tried. Forget it. Well, yeah, you know, I don't know if it's a matter of motivation. I do know that uh, a team that has Andrew Bynum on it, the petulant Andrew Bynum and the cuckoo Ron Artest is a bad formula. Plus the, I don't know, lazy isn't the right word, but the often uninspired play of or deferential play of Pal Gasol. This is just not good. Kobe Bryant, the one bright spot in uh, in the game. On Tuesday night, he was dynamite. Say whatever you want about him. Boy, oh, boy. That, that, when they talk about oh, what oh. He's, him being an assassin and a killer Can't. and all that stuff, the fact that he just never laid down and kept up with Westbrook and Durant, who were giving him the double whammy, and he was out there. He was a man alone on an island, and he brought I, I can't. I can't stand for this. I'm sorry. Why? I was, I was going to be quiet, but this is just beyond me. That whole team, when Kobe comes out and plays, like he's just, I'm just going to score the ball. That's I'm going to. Do me. I'm going to get mine. That team is. That team doesn't win games. Well, when you say score the ball, if you could have just stopped at score, because as a, as a person who watches All basketball, right. when you say, "Hey, that guy came out and just scored," I, I, I assume anyway, you're talking about the two minutes anyway. you just wasted were far more egregious than his two extra words. <laughs> anyway, it's a, it's crazy to think. Oh, Kobe has two All Star big men. Like all of a sudden, this team is incompetent. Like no, what, what Kobe needs to realize, he needs to get his big men involved. He needs to get him engaged. And then he can take over in the fourth quarter, not the other way around. I agree, but I'll tell you what. If you watch Bynum on the Bynum. defensive end of the floor, he can he can dominate. Uh, there's no question. But defensively, there were plays on Tuesday night where he just stands around where he could have prevented passes out of the post to the perimeter where guys were then knocking down threes. He If he challenges that pass out of the low block, the pass never is made. He just, listen, that guy at this age, he's not 20 years old anymore. He's now, if he's to dominate, if that team is to be effective, then they have to just grind you out and dominate the glass at both ends. And Bynum doesn't work hard enough to do that. Neither does Gasol. And that's, it's a huge, Kobe's a huge reason for that. Bynum does not like Kobe Bryant. He doesn't, he's always pouting after the game. He's like, oh, I didn't get the ball. He's trying to send a signal kind of like when Kobe was younger saying, hell, oh, he should be the man, that's how Bynum feels right now. So when he doesn't get those touches, he's not engaged, and he doesn't care. He was laughing at the end of game two when they gave up that lead. He was laughing leaving the court. He well, just, that's, well, that's a recipe that, for future success. But do you think that <laughs> – What's what, what, what that going to do? And, and by the way, this idea like Kobe can sit there and talk about that, hey, we're not going anywhere. We're, we're coming back. We've got to fix things on the fly. What exactly are those fixes, Kobe? You're going to be – you're 34. You're older. Pal Gasol is getting older. And Andrew Bynum now is the centerpiece of any future success. If you don't deal him, I don't know, you know, uh, short of getting – Darren Williams, which would be grand, and that's a, a possibility. If they don't get him, the future is bleak for that Lakers team in a Western Conference. Forget looking around the entire conference. Look in the uh, building with the Clippers. Who? What? What team would you rather be a fan of right now going forward? That Clippers team has a has a brighter future in the next couple of years than Kobe and company do. Kobe's not going as good as Kobe can be. He still, obviously, as he gets older and older, has off night shooting the ball. He can't carry the team night after night anymore and you got these two guys with these attitude problems they're just suddenly going to be corrected they need somebody what they should do is mike brown ain't the answer they got to bring in somebody in in there and uh you know who really uh david stern won't let him fire them what mike for brown. yeah they got to get somebody in there who really gives them what for and doesn't stand for the nonsense i think kobe's such a d that this team hates him
I said this a couple of years. Why, why is Kobe the guy you're not shopping around? Because, like you said, he's not getting any younger. Andrew Bynum, if he was playing with a real point guard who would get him involved with Chris Paul. If Chris Paul was on this team, Andrew Bynum would be a lot more involved. A lot of things would have been different. But thanks, David Stern. Enjoy your enjoy your series that nobody's going to watch. All right, next on the blacklist. All right, guys, you guys know OTAs opened up yesterday. Peyton Manning, his first day as a Bronco, he was talking to reporters, and a reporter asked him a question about how does it feel looking up to the much taller rookie quarterback, Brock Osweiler, to which Peyton Manning responded to this, you know, usually sized reporter saying, Usually sized. Yeah, you know how reporters are. Five, five, six, five, how seven. How dare you stereotype? Sorry. And Peyton Manning responds, You've been doing it your whole life. That's for a nice thing to a reporter. So Damn. my question to you guys is. What's the best hashtag one-liner you've ever heard from an NFL player or coach or personality? Uh, NFL, well, the best uh, the best single line I think from a in a in a press conference that I've ever heard was uh, Patrick Waugh, the uh, the Montreal Canadiens goaltender, when Jeremy Roenick. Oh no, I'm sorry, he was with the Colorado Avalanche. It was a playoff game, and Jeremy Roenick talked some stuff about him, uh-huh. and uh, and Patrick Waugh replied, "I'm sorry, I can't hear what Jeremy said. I have two Stanley Cups stuck in my ears." <laughs> That's pretty good. Quiet. That's a, that's as good as uh, Don Draper's uh, I don't think about you at all. Was that better than Barry Melrose telling uh, Burns to go eat a donut? Oh, no. That was uh, Jim Schoenfeld said that to uh, – Jim Schoenfeld said to uh, the New Jersey Devils head coach, said that to uh, to uh, McCreary, I believe. Is that was No, Don Koharski. I'm sorry. Don Koharski. Go eat, a, go eat another donut, you fat pig. That that's wasn't Melrose? Best. That's the best <laughs> No, Jim Schoenfeld, the uh, ginger coach, former Buffalo Sabre. Yeah, said that as the head coach in the runway. That's Go eat another donut, you fat pig, to the referee. <laughs> there, was a, uh, there was a reporter. Maybe that is the best one, yeah. There was a reporter who I actually know who covered the Angels in the 80s, and he asked, you know, he asked Rod Carew a question that Rod Carew didn't care for, and Rod Carew shot back and said, hey, look, why don't you go mix in a salad? And the reporter goes, why don't you mix in an RBI once in a while? Nice. I saw once, uh, I once was down on the field at Three River Stadium before a Pirates game when I was in uh, doing an internship uh, with the uh, radio sta- or the TV station that had the Pirates. And uh, these are the days that Chico leaned, early 90s, those great Pirate teams. And um, the guy I was with had a ball cap on, and Chico leaned. Took out, I don't know where he had it in his uniform in uh, during batting practice. He took out a giant Rambo knife, a really gigantic kind of, uh, uh, you know, scary looking thing. And he takes it, he grabbed the guy's hat and he sawed it in half, cackled, cackled like a lunatic. And that was the end of it. That was a weird thing. No, no <laughs> words exchanged, but very strange deed uh, down oh, on the field. Okay. All right. Contain- All right, so black tie next on the uh, blacklist. All right, last one, guys. Yesterday, Rank had this inspired and awesome idea to do an article comparing and contrasting the Spurs and the Patriots. So it's a great down breakdown. You can check it out on NFL.com. And, but my question to you guys is, which other two franchises, like the Spurs and the Patriots, share so, so many hashtag similarities? Well, first of all, explain to me, what is the similarity between the Spurs and Patriots? Yeah, I didn't think there was one, but uh, the, the media has been jumping on this whole thing about, like, hey, the Spurs are a lot like the Patriots, just just winners. And I'm like, my contention in the gridiron breakdown was, like, they're not alike at all. A lot of differences. There's a few similarities. Yeah, no one yeah, they, cares about anyway. the Spurs. Yeah, that's, the can, odd, that's the odd, I mean, bizarre phenomenon that no one cares about this team that is perennially they, in contention. They should be hated. Like, Why that should so? be a team, well, because they win, and if you're, like, I, as a Lakers fan, I don't even care about the Spurs. They're not, what is it? They, are, are people xenophobic? Is it because they because two of their three, or actually three of their three stars were born on foreign shores? Is that what it is? Is that possible? That Ginobili, Parker, and even Tim Duncan from the Bahamas are somehow that America doesn't embrace these guys? That, so I don't mean that they that they willfully say, like, I can't root for an American, but we somehow, uh, that uh, that our nation somehow perceives that these people are not of uh, of uh, our own stock or something i don't know that i wouldn't be shocked Man, i think i think it's just boring that's all it was that's a boring team that's all it and they're not as boring anymore which is what's funny they're no, not they're, they're still talk as about boring, boring as ever listen the no, 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 new york rangers and la kings look like they're well we'll see what happens but they may play one another in the stanley cup finals 
that's about you know that's great for the ratings because two biggest markets obviously that'll be great that'll be a boon to the league except that the actual games will be dreadful they'll all be two one snooze fests because that's how both those teams like to play it's 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 horrible what uh, the the quality of hockey we're seeing now all these block shots and one nothing and zero zero scores going into the third period it's atrocious um yeah i guess they're boring the patriots are more loathsome obviously right i mean they tom brady i think is a very likable but i but i think bill belichick has to be as unlike the coach as there's been in a long time yeah. that's the main i don't no think anybody dislikes i don't think anybody dislikes the spurs no, that's, we just don't consider them yeah we just nobody cares and they and it's funny because they cheated to get tim duncan How'd they cheat? They blew that season with Elliott and Robinson when they were allegedly hurt. It was a lottery. Oh, How did they know? Yeah, they, couldn't, they, they couldn't tank it. Oh, my God. You think the we're NBA? We're talking about tanking it. Go back and watch the uh, the 1983 Pittsburgh Penguins play. Now, that's tanking it to get Mario Lemieux. I have no beef with that. Do you think that the NBA might have arranged for Tim Duncan? To get, that's weird. Well, why would they not want him on the Celtics? Because nobody likes the Celtics. You're a lunatic. Yes, they would much rather. The league would prefer to see him go to a. Uh, they probably, you know, they probably couldn't because they probably still had such a backlash from the from the Patrick Ewing thing that if they just gave Tim Duncan to the Celtics, that the world it would have been an outrage. And I think they had to do. And the Celtics were the ones obviously tanking that season. That I think that the NBA had to send a message and said, hey, you know what, actually, we're sending him to San Antonio. That's an interesting point. Now, going into that series real quick, Spurs and uh, and uh, the Oklahoma City Twisters. If the Twisters, I mean, this is it for the Spurs. The Spurs, excuse me, Spurs should get it, need to get it done this year because it's hard to imagine that OKC team not dominating for the next uh, three to five years, right? That's, you know what, that's what I said last year when the Lakers were in the playoffs. I said, you know... They beat them in the first round, and I said, you know what? This, if they're lucky, they'll get one more year. And they should have been up three to one. The series should be three to two in the Lakers' favor had they hold on they to it. Been. No, if they had held on to a couple of late fourth quarter leads, they would have been up three to two. So I won't say should have been because I think the better team did win. But you were hoping that you could hold off Oklahoma City for one more year. But it was it's their time and they're going to go on that, a run. You keep that trio together. Hard to imagine. No, they're going to be yeah. They're going to be Durant. Dynamite. Durant with that with that his his are uh, his his wingspan. The way he uses that is reminiscent. Talk about comparing things to the Spurs. What about the Iceman George Gervin? Does uh, Kevin Durant put you in mind to him with the way he gets to the rim and finger rolls it there with that length? And then also. The way the, the the feathery, I mean, there's something about the quality of the way the shot comes out of his hand that it just dies into the into the basket like no one else's. It it, it seems like the ball must be uh, uh, you know must be half as heavy when he's <laughs> shooting it versus anyone else. It almost falls like a balloon once it's on its uh, the downside. Portland should stop being a basketball franchise. That's another idea that they 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 missed on Jordan and they missed on Durant, Sam Bowie, and Greg Oden. Ugh, that is terrible! Wow, that is—they don't get enough attention for no. For if how it was if that was a major market team, be. yeah. All right, so uh, so that there ends thus ends the blacklist, and uh, now we're going to get uh, Kevin Acey from the San Diego Union Tribune. Yes, black tie. Yep, he's on the line. Oh, excellent, Kevin. How you doing? Good. What's going on, man? Just uh, you know, having a little lunch, uh, just listening to you guys. Great day. Excellent, excellent. And uh, in San Diego, where do you uh, where do you like to take in your lunch? Little place down the uh, down the road from the Chargers uh, facility. I was just there watching a little practice. Uh, have some sushi. I, I do a show. I used to do a show from here. Uh, Tony Sushi. You know, if you're ever in town, you got You got to come by. We'll we'll do some sushi. Excellent. Which way is it? Off the 15. Which way is it down? Off the 15. Don't know if you've been to the Chargers facility in Murphy Canyon, a little bit up from the stadium, uh, a little hole in the wall play. As a matter of fact, I didn't come here for a couple months because there's a. It's called Tony's Sushi. That didn't, you know, didn't sit well with me. It was my loss. It's delicious. It's cheap. And at happy hour, the beers are the Japanese beer is extremely cheap. And yet, no rivalry. The, the only thing lacking in San Diego is a great uh, baseball rivalry with the Halos. Huh? How did uh, how did San Diego get out of that uh, that showdown with the with the team from Anaheim? Well, 
thankfully they uh, came to town. The Chargers or the uh, Padres had their first winning homestand. They went three and two because they took two and three, two of three from the Angels. Look, you got to have a good baseball team before you can have any sort of rivalry. I mean, the Bills can think they have a rivalry with the Patriots, but really, do they? Uh, and and so it just doesn't work. Rivalry and Padres. You're speaking my language. I agree with that. People people fail to make that distinction all the time. Yes, you have to win some games against your so-called rival for it to actually count as a rivalry once in a while. Well, what about uh, the great AFC West? So many great rivalries back to the uh, to the '60s. All of a sudden, it seems like the one team in the West that no one's talking about are those Chargers, and uh, how are they looking? What's the story with Phil Rivers and uh, and uh, coming back from what most people considered a down year for him? Well, it certainly was a down year. I was just telling someone yesterday uh, on the radio that they're statistically, and by many measures, there had not been anyone as good through their first 80 starts as Philip Rivers. And so, yeah, the, the fall was off a cliff, practically, especially in the middle of the season. Uh, there were a lot of reasons for that. Um, it was. It ended up being an okay season, and Philip had been much better than that. You ask me how they are now, I, I mean, you know, uh, fool me once, uh, shame on you. Fool me seven times, uh, shame on me. And that's what it's been with the Chargers. Uh, since 2004, They've made the playoffs for the first time since 95, so that's been nine years. They, since then, every year, oh, wow, this team is so talented. Oh, they got this mix. Oh, they brought this guy in. Oh, look at this coaching change. And we get excited, and we think, and everybody thinks. And I think that the fact that for so long, every, not everyone, but you know, we use that word usually, mm-hmm. a lot of people thought the Chargers were a Super Bowl contender. And they really only made it close once in those eight seasons, 04. So now I think that's kind of why everyone's off of their bandwagon, uh, so to speak. And then, you know, we go on and go, oh, wow, look at what the Raiders have done. And, oh, Peyton Manning, end of story, that team's going to be great now. And, and I really, I mean, I'm not being facetious at all when I talk about how I, I, I like the Chiefs. And, and without injuries, mm-hmm. I think they could have been in 2011 what they were in 10, or, you know, at least tried to be or been close. So I'll tell you what, all that is a, is a preamble, amble uh, up to me saying, I think the Chargers have evolved, have a, a nice mix. You, you don't replace Vincent Jackson, but you know what? You bring in Robert Meacham and, and you bring in Eddie Royal. You've got this young guy, Vincent Brown. You've got Malcolm Floyd. That's a pretty decent receiving core, and I think the world of Philip Rivers, Antonio Gates, I don't know that he will ever be the pre-2010, uh, pre-October 2010 Antonio Gates, but he certainly looks healthier, running better, lighter on his feet than he has since he started with the plantar pressure problem. So, and that guy's pretty good. So, and Philip and he are practically, you know, read each other's minds. So that bodes well for them. The question for this team is defense. Absolutely. And a lot of people will say that the Chargers were a Super Bowl caliber team, and so the the punchline becomes it's it's all North Turner's fault. Is it? Do we make too much of that? Is is it too much blame put on North Turner? I happen to think so. Now you're talking to a guy who is almost. I, I call myself fair. Some people say more biased toward Norv, and so, uh, you know, I, I'm biased toward Norv as much as other people maybe are biased against him. Oh, well, North Turner, wow, he sucked in Washington and, and, and Oakland. He's going to suck here. That was kind of – and he came in replacing a 14-2 and two coach. Uh, and so he came in with people waiting for him to fail, and it was almost like the first loss. Oh, he can't coach, and every loss since then pretty much. Um Norv, I believe, can be the guy to take this team to the Super Bowl. I believe that in the past. Yes, Norv Turner has at times, probably more often than not, if you were going to say, is this guy playing to win or is this guy playing not to lose? I think that's a weakness of Norv Turner. Um, you know, what bad can happen here on this play rather than, hey, what good can happen here? I love and I, like I'm really going to come off like a genius now, right? I love the way Bill Belichick coaches the game, and you can second guess him all the time on on some of these big plays. But I, man, I I I wish that that was what North did more often: stay on a fourth down, stay on a decision uh, on special teams. Uh, but that, that's who North Turner is. The man is also handles players 
in a very private way and in, in, in ways that he doesn't get credit for. He truly does not care about any of that stuff. And I've seen the good he has done for this team. And, and you know, yeah, look, your goal is to get to the Super Bowl. You essentially are a failure if you're not that one team a year to get to the Super Bowl or you're one of the teams to get to the playoffs, get in the – as A.J. Smith uh, says about every day. But they would, maybe they would have lost more games with, without uh, North Turner taking care of some things. And there's a lot of other things besides North Turner. That said, I mean, I wrote a couple weeks ago, and I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm an unapologetic apologist for North Turner, but win this year or, you know, I, I can't do it anymore. Well, I thought that would be the case, obviously, this year. But, okay, let's go. It's eight <laughs> years now. Eight years removed. This is uh, one of uh, football fans' favorite discussions is the 2004 draft. Do you now say – do you feel how do well let's see how do you, what's the win place and show between uh Phil Rivers, Eli and Roethlisberger for you? Roethlisberger, Rivers, Manning. I haven't found too many people to disagree with me when we go on the Rivers Manning uh discussion on quarterback. Uh now I'm not putting down. I mean I love watching Eli Manning play. I mean that Super Bowl to me, I, I wow. The way this guy makes plays happen at times. The throws he makes that only a few guys can. He makes them in those situations. Look, uh, in no way am, am I saying, oh, wow, the Giants really screwed up on that one. No, uh, that trade worked out pretty well for both teams. We've written a lot here, talked a lot in San Diego about not just Philip Rivers, but the other things the Chargers got out of that trade. But I will say this, and I believe this, wholeheartedly I, there's a lot look uh, uh, you can talk me out of a lot of things or talk me into a lot of things I believe firmly you will never dissuade me with the Giants defensive line Phillip Rivers would have two Super Bowl rings with the Steelers defense Phillip Rivers would have two rings and been to a third Super Bowl look there are other things to judge a quarterback by than did his team win the Super Bowl well, and, I agree could, with wait. you. I agree with you on, I, with all, all of what you said, except on one count. The the thing that Roethlisberger doesn't get enough credit for is that a guy like Phil Rivers, Eli, Brady, Peyton, anybody else, with the exception of Aaron Rodgers, no one could uh, continually make an offense go behind an offensive line that's been as crummy as that offensive line has been over the last five years, which it seems like the Steelers have just fixed. But all your other points, well taken. Look, I've only seen in my – I think they played five times uh, counting the playoffs since I've covered the team, and, and the Chargers have never won at Pittsburgh in the regular season, never. They have two wins. They're both in the playoffs at Pittsburgh. I've seen Roethlisberger. I've seen 30 tackles I thought were about to happen. Uh, you know, Sean Phillips, mm-hmm. half of them, uh, that Roethlisberger got away from. You are – I remember I had him at the top of my three. That, that guy mm-hmm. is phenomenal. I'm uh, sad to say absolutely. I was at both of those. I'm sad to say I attended both of those uh, three Rivers losses. <laughs> I remember uh, Kellen Winslow catching two touchdown passes, I think, from Dan Fouts in, uh, in the first loss in the strike-shortened season of 87. Anyway, and, and Dan Gibson, too, the knockdown. I was there for that one, too, yeah. Rank. <laughs> uh, we would have gotten smoked by Steve Young and company just like the Chargers did. Absolutely. So, just as well, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, you, no one was going to win that game. Come on. It didn't yeah. matter who the sacrificial. AFC Lamb was. Yeah, that game was the determined in the NFC Championship game between the Cowboys and the 49ers. And you talk about the Phillip Rivers trade and all the things that the Chargers got in the Eli Manning trade. They got Sean Merriman, who's no longer there, Nate Kading, who's missed some key kicks. That's kind of – it kind of blurs. It's not as one-sided anymore, but I do agree with you, and I will say I will take it the other way, too. If Eli Manning is playing for the Chargers, the same thing. They're they're at the same spot that the Chargers are in right now. I don't think there's there a big thing. But it's the defense, and it looks like this year A.J. Smith was back to being A.J. Smith in the draft. I really like what they did with Melvin Ingram. What about the defense? Do you think that they've got enough pieces now? Because you said that's the key. Do they have enough? Uh, I, I I would like to think so, and while I, I I'm going to tell you more than I'd like to think so. I I, I do think so, and I'm, even though I've said the defense is the key, I'm going to say I think so because I think their offense is going to you know keep the ball and score a lot of points. But here's why I think their defense is better: the Melvin Ingram thing. I will tell you this: um, the, uh, AJ Smith done a real good job rebuilding this team. Uh, they were the second worst team in the league uh, for eight years before he took over. I. 
they got real fortunate with Melvin Ingram that some things happened before them in the draft. That's us assuming Melvin Ingram turns out to be who we think he's going to be. I think they got better. I think they got healthier. The Chargers have missed the playoffs by one game each of the last two years. The injuries they've had have been immense. Last year, the injuries to their linebackers were incredible. Takeo Spikes had to play 900 snaps. Does anyone think he should be playing that many? Travis LeBoy had like three sacks. He had to play like 800 snaps. I contend if he'd had to play 400 snaps, Travis LeBoy would have had six sacks. If Larry English had been healthy, I'm not talking about Larry English even justifying the number 16 pick in the 2009 draft. I'm talking about it just being a guy that took some snaps and got a half a dozen sacks and pressured the quarterback and made some tackles. I believe one of those things that if I just mentioned, the Chargers go to the playoffs and we're not as down on them. So I don't know that their defense had to make this incredible uh, leap from worst in the league to you know best in the league. I just believe they need to get more pressure on the quarterback, and I think they have the ability to do that. And then they need to find someone to play next to Eric Lowe at strong safety. And that's as much about the middle of the field and stopping the run as it is about helping out the cornerbacks and helping out Weddle so Weddle can just do his job, which basically last year Weddle decided, hey, I'm just going to do my job and not worry about the strong safety's job. And, and that's great. Uh, but, you know, then some things happen. Uh, and, and they give up big plays, more big plays than they've ever given up over the last couple of years. Um, so I don't know with, with Atari Bigby and with their third-round pick, Brandon Taylor out of LSU. I don't know. That's a, that's a, for me a, a to be seen uh, whether they have shored up the back end. But my answer to you is, yeah, I think their pass rush will be better, and I think that that will make a difference in the AFC West. Seems like everybody has, uh, as soon as uh, Peyton Manning was brought in there and Tim Tebow shipped out, it seems like everyone has now handed the division crown to the Broncos. I'm with you. In spite of Matt Castle, this offense feels to me to be castle-proof with all the uh, weapons that they're going to have there in KC. The defense should be better there. Do you think the Chargers have a chance of uh, squeezing past both those teams and, uh, and stealing the, the division title? Well, I certainly think they have a chance because of how highly I think of Phillip Rivers, and I do think that their offense is, is pretty good. And uh, I don't know that these, either one of these teams, as, as much as you know, what Denver did last year, wow, and they, they've got a couple of pass rushers there that are really good. Uh, and I, I probably make Kansas City the favorite, I think. We're still, you know, got to have some perspective here. It's May. But, yeah, do they have a chance? Yes. Are the Chargers my favorite for the AFC West? They're not. And, and I'll be honest, you know, for the first time since 2005, they're not my, my favorite. And, and I don't know how they have to be. I, I've been here too close for too long to not say, hey, you guys got to prove it to me now. I really don't care what I see in the offseason. That makes complete sense. And now Dave mentioned this at the top. You were talking about watching a game at Petco Park. What's the stadium situation down in San Diego? There's been talk about a possibility of a football stadium going in that East Village next to Petco Park. Has there been any progress made? Progress would be measured by, like, the way they measure glaciers and how they move uh, before global warming, I guess. But it's not existent to, to our eye. Maybe, maybe it would be measured in the same way they measure how fast Phillip Rivers runs the 40. Uh, it just is it, almost backwards. Uh, no. Uh, look, <laughs> I, I was talking to a guy yesterday who was very active in everything, the college athletics, uh, the, the pros, uh, probably be a part of the new Padres ownership group, I was talking to him yesterday, and he, you know, was asking the same question. So that'll tell you right there, and I know he's, you know, fairly close with Dean Spano. That'll tell you right there that no one really knows what's going to happen with the Chargers in their stadium. This is California. No coincidence, the three worst stadiums in the league are in California by far. And, I mean, they make Jacksonville look like a, a temple. And <laughs> I just think, too, the economy, the, the environmental, uh, it, the, the cost it has just become out of this world. I, I don't know where they're going to build a stadium in California, let alone in downtown San Diego. Oh, downtown L.A. might be a nice place for one. I've, uh, I've suggested that in the past. Last thing for you, Kevin AC, we uh, we tracked you down after you tweeted at uh, at Rank here a week or two ago when he was talking about his favorite uniforms. And, uh, and listen, I'm the uniform monitor, and so now you have some thoughts on it. Where do you rank 
the San Diego Chargers uniforms currently. We can talk about the old white hats with the black numbers on them, which is what makes them sing. If you don't put the numbers on the side of the hat, then they're just nothing helmets. But with that, but the numbers, what's the phenomenal? That's it. That is that is what it's all. And that's what that uh, that was brilliant. But I'll tell you, my favorite Chargers unis are the '80s, mm. the royal blue and the yellow pants, and the blue helmet with the with the um with it, it was the uh, the white. Uh, uh, lightning bolt. Oh, it was, I, I'm, I'm getting something wrong here with my scheme, but that royal blue with the yellow. No, you got it right, fella. Listen, I want to. So, can't you put a bug in ownership's ear and get them to wear those ones? That is absolutely my favorite. Now, I know that people all around the league love the powder blues, and hey, those are nice and everything. Yes. Um, my big problem with the rank rank was <laughs> the Rams. The L.A. Rams. That is such a great uniform. The yellow sleeves on the white jerseys is what makes it sing. Plus, on their uh, on their royal blue, no white in the uniform. Those are nice. Mm-hmm. Like my kid, when he wrote, uh, 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 when when he drew a drawing when he was five, and I talked about how beautiful it was, and I and I really did think it was beautiful. Um, but it really was awful. That's how the Rams unis are. <laughs> but like USC, they have, I, I, to Rank's point, I like the idea of not having white in the uniform. It's kind of interesting, you know? The, the, the USC has no white in their home uniforms either. It's kind of... Uh, I must say I respect the reasoning behind some of these things that were in the rankings, and I respect the fact that, that you did them. Uh, and I totally, I don't have the Chargers at number one. I I, I like the Patriots' uh, old old uniform. Yes, so yes. I, don't, I hate their new ones. Uh, I, I like their old uniform. I understand. Well, I don't understand because it seems universal that everybody loves the old Chargers powder blue uniforms. And I had them at number four on my list because I feel that people love them a little bit too much. But does ownership just hate the fans so much that they just don't want to go back? I think this is about, and I'm no economics major, uh, or, or really all that smart. Uh, this goes to a little bit of supply and demand. I mean, people are buying the powder blue anyway, and it <laughs> makes them love them all the more by only seeing them twice a year. So I don't really get why they should change the powder blue. Then they're not special anymore. All right, I hear that noise. One thing's for sure, though. I and I, good for you because I wrote about that uh, several months ago. I love the '80s getups. They should wear those. The John Jefferson and West uh, Chandler era, the Chuck Muncies. Those teams haunted me, and yet I still admired their uniforms. But uh, yes, bring those back and get rid of the horrible current ones. Those what the white helmets with no numbers on them and those horrible shiny blue pants they wear oh. are among the league's worst. Just. Awful, and but it's just like the Patriots. Uh, yes, just like everything. Hey, let's change those unis and sell some sell some new versions. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad. Listen, it seems like uh, all three of us park our cars in the same garage on this subject. Kevin AC, great stuff. San Diego Union Tribu- Tribune. Always enjoy checking in uh, with your work down there, about two hours south of Los Angeles. And uh, hopefully you'll make it up the coast here to L.A., maybe for a Dodgers Padre showdown, and uh, maybe you can jump in Studio 66 here with us. Yeah, maybe in a couple of years when uh, some of the kids on the farm get up there. sounds good all right kevin ac thanks for the time man see you guys all right be well thanks kevin there he goes, Kevin Acey. Nice fella. I liked him. He is. He knows his uniforms. That's he for does. sure. Yeah, he's. he's I, you know, it's funny. People who like uniforms often will speak out against the Rams. Mm-hmm. But the thing with the Rams is, and I can't stress this enough, it seems like such a how could this possibly make a big difference? It's the face mask, mm-hmm. the dark, the the navy face mask. It's the same thing as the Vikings with the purple face mask. If these teams would just go with a white face mask, they would look so much better. You see or what gray. I'm or gray, yes, the gray for the Rams. If they would go to the gray face mask and the Vikings would go to the white, these uniforms would look heaps better. Trust me on this. I got it. It's my area of expertise, people. Don't <laughs> question me. Just nod your head and agree, and you'll see. The world will be a better place. It'll be a nicer one to look at, at least. Thank you. You know, Rank, I am working on my not just NFL rankings for uniforms. Mm-hmm. I am in the I am in the process of ranking every uniform in American professional sports. Should I do? Should I? Well, and not soccer. I'm talking about the four sports? bigs. I'm talking the four the- bigs. The four big sports. You're not going to do minor league baseball. No. No. Four bigs, and you're not talking about the one, the biggest sport? 
I don't MLS? Know what, what, your soccer? Football. No one yeah. counts MLS. Stop it. No Who one cares? No, no, not MLS. Come on. That's like NBA. America. I'm not this bringing is what we're talking in. About. No, I, I listen. I, I'm not bringing in Bundesliga and uh, and all that kind of jazz. So listen, I'm doing the U.S. And I, I, the only the big debate is, do I do the colleges too? Because then that list, it's interesting to uniform nerds like myself. But is it interesting for people to look at a list that's six or seven hundred names long? That's a problem. That is a problem. I mean, is anybody going to care how I rank Texas Tech lowly, or versus how I rank, you know, what about Air NC Force? State basketball uniforms? Hmm. Highly, no one cares. It started. I mean, not no one, but I wonder what what the appeal of that would be. Should I just keep it to pro sports here? Pro sports. All right, that's what I'll do. The four major sports. Yes. All right. Now, speaking of uh, the what we were just talking QBs here, and in just a minute here, we're going to be talking to George Whitfield. So, you know, they say rank. It's a QB league. It is. That's right. That's 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 uh, something that people like to say when they talk about the NFL these days. It's a QB it's a, league. It's a quarterback league is what they say. And our pal who we had in uh, just last week, Daniel Jeremiah, the new scribe here at NFL.com, a doppelganger of our pal, handsome Hank. It is so weird to see him on television because you're like, what's Hank doing? Yeah. Every so, time. Yeah. They're, they're, so he had a uh, an interesting piece on the dot com earlier in the week about uh, which one quarterback in the league would you want to have currently for one season, for one game, for one drive, for one play. And, you know, listen, for one, he gets he gets one season right because he says Aaron Rodgers, he's the best quarterback in the NFL for the reasons that we've gone over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, but for one game, he says Eli Manning. One game, and I say to that, "Fair." I say that I, I say that that what? sounds what? good, but but that can't be. If it gun to your head, really, somebody says to you, "I am going to shoot you if your team if you don't guess right on." When this. is that ever going to happen? It's not probably going. I said just the other day. You know, when people play that hypothetical game, hey, would you would you uh, shave off uh, twenty years of your life if it meant ending world hunger? Uh, you know, some people go like, "No, I wouldn't do that." Well, listen, what's the what's the upside to giving that answer? Just <laughs> it's a hypothetical. No, one, <laughs> no one's probably coming calling like, "Hey, here's the deal. I can uh, for mankind, I can wipe out hunger there. All you have to do is give me two decades of your life. Like that ain't probably going to happen. Why is so that look me? good in the hypothetical? Say the right thing in in the hypothetical. Now, if you had to choose correctly, who's going to win one game? Use what? I'm just kidding. Go. If you're gonna use, if you're gonna do that, you would. I, I, I would dare say you'd rather have Tom Brady, probably Aaron Rodgers. Even though Eli beat Aaron Rodgers head to head, I know that that's ironic. Giants, D. Yeah, okay. Well, look, is but, he playing against? Is it Aaron Rodgers against the Packers, D, or is it against the Giants? Well, defense? that's. I guess. What that's is this the, game? That's me, the question. That is so. It? I hate this. It, what is the game? I'll tell you what. If it's here's the game, I want the quarterback you would rather have. Okay, let's say you have an eight no team going against a two and six club, and you need a quarterback who will throw for four hundred and fifty five yards and four touchdowns in this meaningless game. Who do you want? I don't know. What do you mean, who do I want for that? Who nonsense? do you want for Dan that Fouts. game? Dan Fouts. Dan Fouts. How about a current quarterback? I Who? You tell Peyton me. Peyton Manning. I see. If you have to win a meaningless midseason game that nobody cares about, Peyton Manning is my guy. Tom now, Brady's been a pretty good stats machine against lousy teams. You like, know what? Uh, he's my number two. Yeah, like the, he, he's put up some big numbers against some lousy Bills teams over the years. And, uh, yeah. Here's it. For one season, okay, you've got a football team. If your team goes 2-14, and 14, they get to draft Andy Luck. Who is the quarterback to lead you to the promised land? I see. Wait, I see the game you're playing. My mind has now moved on, though, to I'm trying to think of, you know, who's the best big game quarterback. And I'd like to say Ben Roethlisberger maybe for one drive, but I think it's not fair to say, and that's hard to argue against for one drive. If you're playing the one drive thing, how are you going to do better than Ben Roethlisberger? Well, the, the, the Steelers probably could have done better in Super Bowl Forty Five without Ben Roethlisberger. Well, no, this this 
yeah, but, you know, as I've said many times, if Roethlisberger throws a touchdown pass against the Packers in that Super Bowl, then there is no question. There is no debate about who's the best QB in the NFL. But you know what? You know why there's no debate? Because he didn't do I, it. I understand. I'm just saying that that's how, that's how narrow it is for him being considered the, uh, the you know, Beyond debate, the best QB in the league is if he throws a touchdown pass in that spot. Yes, Dave. And if I could shave 20 years off my life for world peace, I would. Let me say this to you. Two Super Bowl rings, three Super Bowl appearances, that's uh, that's pretty good, and that shows – a guy who wins big games. Now, the thing that people I'll will throw out. I'll agree with your hypothetical. People will throw out the, uh, what people bring up is that he was bad in his first Super Bowl and, uh, you know, had some, some terrible moments in his third Super Bowl. Of course, had the great drive to pull out uh, to pull out that middle one. Two rings, he's on his way to the Hall of Fame. So is Eli Manning. Two Super Bowl rings guarantees you that. But again. Unless you're Jim Plunkett. Eli Manning. Eli Manning. It, go back and watch the NFC title game. He was terrible in the second half of that game, but minus that one big throw. The, the when uh, Kyle Williams the first time he fumbles it on the uh, on the punt return in regulation. When that happens, he throws a strike, and that's a you know big time play. Outside of that, that offense didn't move in the second half against the Niners. The Niners, so history looks very different that way. Um, for one season, it is Rodgers to me, or Tom Brady. Hard to argue with, uh, you know, how consistent that team has been at least in the regular season. Eli Manning for one game, though, I think you, you know, like I say, I think you take Rodgers, Brady, Roethlisberger. I don't know that you go Drew Brees though over Eli. You don't go Drew Brees over Eli. Not in the not in a big time playoff game. I don't think. I don't think that Drew Brees has a history of not playing well in playoff games. It's not a knock on Eli Manning. No, I'm just ranking him. I just, I, but I think I can. I think those are three names that I would uh, I would put ahead of uh, what our boy uh, Daniel Jeremiah says is the guy you want for that one game. That's that's my point. Everybody, it seems, has gone so far in the reverse on Eli Manning, and in 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 a, in a way. I'm guilty of this, too, because I joked around last year that the Giants should start looking for their next quarterback, perhaps, and that now that Eli's won a second Super Bowl, I do concede that, yeah, he's he's among the elite quarterbacks. He's not above Aaron Rodgers. He's not above Drew Brees. He's not above Tom Brady. But it seems that a lot of pundits, and, and uh, Daniel was not the only guy in NFL.com this year to say that, oh, Eli's now the best quarterback. It seems that people have now gone the other way, that the people who were scoffing last year when Eli asserted that he was elite have now taken the exact opposite, a total knee-jerk, polar opposite view, like, well, now he's the best. Last year he was a mediocre quarterback. Now he's the best. It's like, no, he's elite because he, he proved – that he does make the big plays when it matters, and he did it. But I'm not going to be silly enough to put him ahead of Aaron Rodgers, not silly enough to put him ahead of Tom Brady, not silly enough to put him ahead of Drew Brees. I ask you this, though. If you look at the last the, the two Super Bowls— I, by the way, I don't think you—I uh, meant to mention that. Kevin Acey um, has Phil Rivers ahead of Eli. I, at this point, there's I, I just think that I, I, his point— is valid that had Phil Rivers were on that Giants team. He would have won a Super Bowl at least, maybe two. But Eli has two rings now. Phil Rivers has been on some great teams. It's not like Phil Rivers has not been on some terrific teams. And if he's the star of the team, then it is it, it, then it is his responsibility to lead the way through the playoffs. He hasn't done that. He's been to the playoffs. He hasn't even won the lousy, mostly lousy AFC West the last couple of years. He's not even Two years. gotten to the playoffs the last couple of years. So the idea that, well, Eli benefits from that defense, true, but it's not like Phil Rivers has been on perennially lousy teams since he got to San Diego, and he has not even a Super Bowl appearance. He's lagging behind. his uh, The two other guys drafted not for have been the multiple Super Bowls. Do you think if Eli was the quarterback of the Chargers the last two years, they would have gone to the playoffs? Maybe he would. Maybe he wouldn't rank. But uh, the better question is, would Phil Rivers have taken that team to the Super Bowl? I say no. I think he would have turned the ball over. Eli Manning at least took care took care of the ball in big situations. But let's talk about it with a true QB guru. Maybe he has an opinion on this. The man, like we say, who's trained uh, Cam Newton, Andrew Luck, and Donovan McNabb right now. It's George Whitfield. How you doing, sir? 
I'm doing good. How you guys doing? Not too, not too bad. Let's talk about uh, some QBs in the league right now, and uh, the guy who had maybe the greatest rookie season in NFL history, Cam Newton. What do you expect going into the sophomore year? A lot of buzz out of Carolina about how good he's looked. What's your expectation there? They didn't really address. Uh, they didn't build up the receiving core around Steve Smith. So, what do you think from uh, Newton in year two? Uh, more. More of what you got. Remember now, this is his first full off season. Mm-hmm. You know, last year, that whole rookie class—not just Cam, but they had to take on the lockout—and so he was able to get out that kind of production and um, that kind of uh, mesh with his offensive teammates in that little amount of time. And that's the output. Now you give him a full off season come into his sophomore year, and now that he had a chance to go out and see what he could do and what's possible, I think he's going to really pour it on. So the bar is not going to come down. And this year, Andrew Luck is the number one pick in the draft. And if you go back to the combine, a lot of people were surprised to find out Andrew Luck compared very favorably to what Cam Newton was able to do at the combine. What can we expect from Andrew Luck on the football field this year? Well, I think he's going to come in. Uh, and you can expect Andrew to, one, run the show. I mean, that's something we always kind of talk about. Uh, he's going to, I think, he's going to sell in and have to get to that offense. And, you know, in terms of numbers and production and highlight plays and all that, um, I don't think that's what, you know, is going to jump out immediately. I think just consistency and getting them out of bad plays and first downs and, you know, putting them in a, in a position to win each and every weekend. Um you know, they got their work cut out, but I think he's uh, he's going to settle down and get a chance to do all that type of thing. So I see him coming in out of the, out of the you know, hitting the ground running. Here's what's not a crazy thing to say is, uh, you know, the Houston Texans, if they have a- any reason to stumble, you know, injuries are not uh, – it's not like um, those only happen once in a blue moon in the NFL. You know, they lose a guy like Schaub again or maybe Arian Foster. That division is wide open. I wouldn't be shocked if the Colts make a little push there in a in a crummy division. Let's talk about Donovan McNabb, who you've been working with a little bit. Are you doing the, uh, the Miyagi? Were you inspired by Karate Kid and Mr. Miyagi, putting him into the, into the shore? line like we've seen uh, Danielson kicking the waves I see Donovan McNabb out there throwing passes what gives with that strategy um it's it's just training technique you know we're, we're not trying to you know to get uh you know so you know over the top but it, you just want to make sure that he's you know that, that all quarterbacks not just Donovan but, but Cam has been out there and some other quarterbacks we've had you put them out there so they can work against the water and, you know, that they can take their drops. It's a challenge. I mean, imagine trying to wade through, you know, knee-deep water. That's actually where I got the idea from watching surfers try to walk after their boards. But, um, you know, just trying to make sure he develops and and gets a chance to kind of, you know, work on his drop and continue training and pressing the issue. And so we also put him in the sand. But uh, we only went out there on Wednesdays. He's out there for four weeks. We put him out there on Wednesdays middle of the week and and it's tough it's a tough grinding workout and uh you know it's like he's having fun out there but he's out there for a good 40 minutes and it's cold and um you know that's exactly uh you know the type of output we needed is what he put in you anticipate him getting a shot somewhere uh, i mean obviously plenty of teams need a quarterback you think we'll see him in uniform somewhere this year yes yes he's already you know uh, spoken to some teams and and you know he's just trying to find the right situation and you know what you know what makes sense for for both him and the team and and uh, I know he wants to get himself into a winning situation so um, but you know he he understands it's got to play out and uh, but he's prepared himself you know when the call comes to be able to take advantage of that. What is that? To what was owed uh, the disappointing results over the last couple of years? Was he carrying too much weight? We've heard some stuff about uh, you know I've I've heard things all over the map. Uh, what what to, to what uh, do you think it was owed? You know I don't know. I haven't. I didn't really. I wasn't really keyed in on on all that. You know I just know that. You know when I got the, the call and he said hey I want to come down and 
and go with you. I, I just knew pretty much it was about going going forward for him. Now, obviously, you know, there are some, some disappointing games and a collection of, you know, performances in there that um, you know, I'm sure he wanted to kind of go back and, and, and rectify both as a player and, you know, as a leader of those teams. But, um, you know, from this standpoint, you know, there are some things we need to work on kind of mechanically and, and uh, you know, uh, fundamentally, and, and, and now he's, he's gotten himself back to that standpoint, and now he's ready to go after it, so. And, George, we were uh, we had Kevin Acey on of the San Diego Union-Tribune. We were talking about the 2004 NFL draft class of quarterbacks, the one that produced Eli Manning, Phillip Rivers, Ben Roethlisberger. We've all said our opinions so far. What? How do you break down that class? Who would you rank one, two, and three? Oh, man. Great question. I mean, I guess if you, you – I guess you could count the rings. If you counted the rings, I think Phillip would come in third. But um, you know, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's that easy. I just don't know if it's that easy. I, I just I just think they're all you know they've all been very effective and very talented, and all three of them can move around the NFL and be you know start for the majority of the you know the league. Um, and they've all they, they've each done it different ways. Um, you know, and they've had you know their own set of setbacks. You know, Ben's probably. Battled the most injuries through it. I think, um, you know, probably Eli's probably handled the most, you know, on-field distractions. And, and then probably, you know, Phillips probably had to shoulder most of the load, you know, from his side from the Chargers. So um, I don't know how you'd really rank them, you know, because I'm sure, you know, Phillips only, you know, on the corner from getting his championship ring and, you know, the other two had to battle to get there, so I don't know. I don't always know that rings, you know, define you or set you apart, you know, as a player. Well, you know, I used to think that the key to success as an NFL quarterback was that you had to be born on the banks of the Three Rivers. Witness Johnny Unitas, uh, you know, uh, Joe Montana, Dan Marino, and uh, and so on. But apparently, it's working with George Whitfield. That's the key to success. Cam Newton. <laughs> Andrew Luck, Donovan McNabb, Big Ben in his past, Phil Rivers in his past. This is the uh, – we're running down a, a list of best quarterbacks in the NFL. George Whitfield, uh, continued uh, success with your clever ideas. I like the – like I say, I, in the future, don't say you lear- you thought of that one coming up from the server. Say you learned that one from Mr. Mm-hmm. Miyagi. He's one of the great uh, – he's one of the great teachers of the last uh, century at least. I, I will. I'll All keep right. that in mind and uh... – I'll, I'll make sure the answer is smoother the next time. Perfect, perfect. <laughs> Otherwise, uh, good stuff, George Whitfield, and appreciate the time. Thank you for having me. Sure thing. There he goes, George Whitfield, QB guru, trying to get uh, Donovan McNabb back in the league and uh, Cam Newton taking it to another level. What do you think? You think Cam Newton, without Steve Smith, a year older, had the big uh, renaissance in his career. Our pal Steve Smith had a gangbusters year. But no additional pieces there in Carolina. There was some buzz. Maybe Kellen Winslow would make sense. Go after him to try and get another another pass catcher out there. No dice, though. What do you think? Yeah, they talk about it, you know, that he didn't have a full training camp, and now he's going to have one. On the other side, defensive coordinators are going to have a full training camp and a full year Atlanta's of Atlanta's defense him. is going to be better. They're going to have two a, games there. Mm-hmm, you know, and they're going to have a chance to watch what Cam Newton did last year and game plan for him. They'll be a little bit more prepared for him this season. Tampa should be a little bit a bit defensively. That, that New division, Orleans, I think, is only going to have three defensive players, though. Yeah, so that gonna, those games should be game. They're going to be pulling from the New Orleans voodoo of the Arena Football League. Um, all right, so good stuff from him and uh, good stuff from you today, Rank, and uh, good stuff from uh, Kevin Acey of the San Diego David, Union Tribune. We have to good stuff from you. Oh, thanks for saying that. Black tie. Keep on working on that blacklist. And uh, how's your Facebook page? Number sixty-eight. Oh, we have to we have to address uh, number sixty-eight. Which player wore the episode number best? And uh, this one for me is pretty easy. Not a at sixty-eight. You would think more famous, iconic athletes would have worn that number. I don't know why that's in my head that it should be better, but it's but it's really not that rich a list. Um, but it comes down to Yarmir Yager, one of mm. the great forwards in NHL history. But he's a creep. 
or L.C. Greenwood, Hollywood bags with the gold high tops on the uh, on the uh, steel or steel curtain. I think it's obvious that's him because why? Yager, creep, L.C. Greenwood, creep. delightful. Is it because he went and played with the Flyers this that's year? That's right. That's exactly. That's right. it. That's exactly right. That's the number one reason He'd he was offered. Of the- he was offered a contract. He said, "I wanted to be back with Mario. It made sense for him to finish his career with Mario Lemieux back in the uniform in which he started." Then the Flyers offered him an extra like uh, forty or sixty bucks, and he's like, "Oh well, they offered me more money, so he went there." That's crazy. That's what I say to him. Guess what? You know what? You don't get your army or Yager. Yeah, you get a trip to the Hall of Fame. What you don't get is uh, is the honor of wearing the uniform number, or the episode number on the Dave Damashek football program. Good oh, for also, you. one last thing. Here's one. Here's one. Here's one other thing for you. You know what? You are your army or Yager jerk. Han Solo edition blaster. Whoa! Take that one. Yeah, that hurts worse than uh, when Wilbur Marshall decked uh, Dieter Brock in the oh. NFC title game back in 1985. Oh, look at you! Back in the game. Back Damn in the shit. game. Right at the end there. All right, we'll be uh, back tomorrow, Wednesday night, right after the top 100 is unveiled on NFL Network. Be on the lookout for our reaction show, numbers 60 down to 51 on that one, and then next week. On Tuesday on the network, I mean, I, I should say on Wednesday, we will be uh, we'll be on the network broadcast there, Rank, where you and me, we're going to be sitting down like fancy pantses talking about the the first 100 to 51 or thereabouts, something like that. I think we're reacting to the first half of the list. So watch uh, the Top 100 show next week, and uh, we'll be back with more hooey and applesauce later on. But in the meantime, thanks so much, football fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. When you pull up to game night in the all-new Camry, but it's actually bingo night. Mini golf, anyone? It's a Camry vibe. The all-new, all-hybrid Camry. Toyota. Let's go places. Burgers are best fresh from the grill. Well, more specifically, burgers with Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. It's so rich and creamy that it instantly makes any burger irresistible. And what backyard barbecue is complete without some potato salad? Not just any potato salad, of course. Potato salad highlights the rich, creamy goodness of Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. So if you want to take your barbecue season to the next level, stock up on Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. For great recipe ideas, visit Hellman's.com.